HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Broadcasting live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn, you're listening to HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm Sam Edwards. I'm third generation cure master from S. Wallace Edwards and Sons in Surrey, Virginia. We support the Heritage Radio Network because we believe in the cause and what they're doing. They're supporting family-raised livestock, small family farms, uh, certified humane, pasture-raised, antibiotic-free. Basically, we take the products from Heritage Foods USA and make them into uh, Serrano-style hams, prosciutto-style hams, bacon, sausage, like my grandfather did. You can find us at Surrey Farms. Dot com or virginiatraditions.com. Hey, and welcome to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkell, here today with a San Francisco-based photo artist, Karen Alpert. Um, what's really cool is that you kind of have a dualism in careers. She has a, a career in food photography, interior photography studio, and most recently, uh, scanning electron microscopic photography. Um, can you explain exactly what that means? Sure. Um, The idea came to me a couple of years ago when I saw the presentation of another photographer who was doing insect photography using this method, which uh, I appreciated from an aesthetic standpoint but didn't connect with the insect portion. Since my background is mostly in uh, food-related content, I thought, wow, in this day and age when we're all thinking more about where our food comes from and how it's grown and all that sort of stuff. Why not take a closer look at what we eat every day? <laughs> and you mean closer by like 20 times magnification? Uh, 20 times magnification is kid stuff yeah. with this machine. <laughs> um, think more like 2,000. Wow. Yeah. 
can you explain what this machine is? Because I, I know in science class and, you know, high school and beyond, uh, there's the microscope and you put a little swatch of something on, you know, a glass slide and look at it. Is, you know, this, this machine similar to that? Not at all, actually. And I myself was on um, a learning curve when I was doing the research uh, for the first probably three to six months of the process. It is a machine that is the size of a small bedroom. Yeah. Many people have asked, oh, do you have it at home? This is not like a dark room that you throw up in the bathroom. I was about to say most places in Brooklyn are about the size of this. Absolutely. Um, It is the size of a small bedroom. It is in the basement of science building in Arizona, which is where I go to shoot it. Um, The room is, uh, has egg crates essentially all over the walls to minimize the vibration from the elevator that is down the hall. (laughs) Because even the elevator, you know, uh, creates movement that the microscope does not like. So you have to hold your breath every time you take a picture too. Hold your breath. Exactly. (laughs) I can't roll around on the rolly chairs in there while we're taking a an image and um, it's uh, the the platform in which I'm actually shooting is a very small chamber that is not bigger than a bottle of wine would you say so you can start wrapping your brain around uh, how big the specimens are they're about the size of a fingernail or smaller I would say smaller maybe a baby's fingernail yeah um, and it's in a chamber and I sort of look at it on a computer screen but we have uh, ways that we do depth of field and uh, lighting and, and things like that. But um, the the tabletop, as it were, is very small and the machine is very huge. Yeah. And how much time does it actually take for an exposure? The exposure usually doesn't take longer than a minute, I would say. Um, but there is so much prep work required in advance it's not like i sort of bring a grocery bag of food and then start jamming it in the (laughs) in the chamber i actually um do all of the sourcing of the food back in san francisco i ship it out via fedex with ice and things like that in advance and then it goes through a prepping phase when it is ready then i fly out to arizona and uh and start taking the pictures. Cool. What is actually involved in the prepping phase? The prepping phase is multifaceted. It can it does involve dehydration, and that that exact process varies on the type of food it is. Um, and then it involves being co- coated with metals, um, and depending on the food, again, uh, warrants different metals. Yeah. Um, and why? Why different types of... Why even coated with metals? Oh, because um, I'm actually photographing light that bounces off the foods. I'm photographing the electrons bouncing off. Yeah. So I'm not... uh, The the scanning electron microscope photographs the surface only. I'm not seeing inside any of these food specimens to see the molecular uh, composition. It's just the surface only, which creates some really amazing textures and landscapes but um when i'm photographing the electrons bouncing off that's why we need to coat it with metal yeah excellent what kind of metals i mean it's not like that uh, old child's game where you take the shavings and make a mustache and no 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 no. <laughs> this is gold yeah mostly it's gold so as those lovely prices of gold go up so so does my bottom line on this project because i have to pay per ounce what we use yeah yeah let's talk about some of the subjects um Mm -hmm. i mean you photograph things like lettuce table salt cauliflower fortune cookies kiwi seeds sun-dried tomatoes lifesavers passion fruits uh chocolate cake raisins almond shrimp's tail uh oreo 
pineapple leaf, star anise, blueberry, and one of my favorite, the cake sprinkles. Yes. Then do you sell these things afterwards as gold-plated cake sprinkles? <laughs> <laughs> At least make some of your money back? No, yeah. I actually hold on to them because if I ever need to make rent, I can sell my specimens yeah, for yeah. the gold <laughs> on top. But no, I bring them back with me, sort of uh, similar to when you leave any sort of other photo shoot it, mm-hmm. it becomes not a prop in that regard but it's my specimen it's my subject and i hold on to them in case i ever want to revisit the cake sprinkles or the cauliflower or whatever so um because this is not uh, a consumer lab when i leave there's no trace of me left behind i don't leave the specimens there they don't hold that stuff for me i bring it back to san francisco and hold on to it and to make sure i'm certain i don't ever want to photograph it again and um yeah yeah, the archived away. The archive, yeah. So I loved reading on your website about how this is kind of like the difference between a bird's eye view of a remote vegetable crop. Um, you know, you, you you get so close and it's so personal that it becomes this landscape and this texture that it looks like these aerials. Um, is it of a similar ratio, maybe? Uh, like flying in a plane and looking down to the distance between you photographing and seeing these textures? Um, you mean a mathemati- a, a literal mathematical yeah, yeah. ratio? You know, I haven't ran the numbers yeah. on that. But um, certainly there are foods where you feel like you are flying over a crop. And, and the pineapple leaf image is one that I think does that really um, uh, ironically because it's a pineapple leaf, the kind that you sort of pull out to tell if the pineapple is yeah. ripe or not. And it has that sort of white waxy coating on it. And when I looked at that under the microscope... Um, the, the the rows were exactly like how you would plant something in a crop. Yeah. And it was just amazing. And then they looked like doilies and leaves on... It looked like itself. Yeah. Like a caricature of itself growing um, in nature. It's so, almost like that fractalian sense of zooming in and zooming in and still being the same thing. Right, right. Yeah. And what was kind of fascinating, too, is, you know, use the word organic. Um, that's this thing that maybe is a little more free form in, in you know, art. But really... Uh, the way the pineapple leaf is set up, you know, uh, molecularly almost, mm-hmm. is so systematic. And mm-hmm. it shows in these photographs, you know, that there are rows, that there are you know, uh, specific patterns that repeat themselves. Absolutely. And um, the ice uh, crystals. I mean, the table salt, which... Which looks like <laughs> which icebergs. Which looks like, yeah, it looks like flows of icebergs, yes. which is kind of amazing. And to realize something so minuscule as salt may be replicated in shape and form as something so large as an ice flow. Yeah. An iceberg is mind-blowing. And that's, you know, we we have some salt, uh, sodium flats in um, in the lower Bay Area near San Jose. And when you fly in over San Francisco, you sort of see um, that it, too, mimics itself in a way. Yeah. So did that happen? Were you flying over these salt flats and then said, oh, I need to find myself a scanning electron microscope? No, I did not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know that they were in the South Bay until someone pointed it out yeah, to me. Yeah. But I mean, how did you concept this project rather than just saying, I want to look closer in a food? Um, you, you mean, how did I come up with the idea of using a scanning yeah. electron microscope? Because I was really interested in the surface of the food. It seemed like for me getting into the molecular makeup, um, was a little bit beyond my area of interest, but something that um, I could relate to uh, on the surface might be more of a more interesting view. That's not to say I won't graduate to another scope um, and try to go inside the foods, but I'm still uh, totally bewildered and fascinated by what I am finding from boxed foods, grown foods, um, 
man-made, yeah. pro- you know, machine processed. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love the gamut that you have too, because it's not particular to you know a pineapple leaf that you you go into the more manufactured as Oreo and Lifesavers, and yep. you know, see little clips of that. So yeah, there's a breadth of you know. Um, things to show that just aren't specific to one kind of mantra or from the table. I'm definitely trying to be aware of including all foods. I want to be an equal opportunity photographer. (laughs) Um, But I will say after photographing some foods, I'm, I've become turned off a little bit. Like which ones? Um, Please don't say cake sprinkles. <laughs> no. It's interesting, though. Yeah. Everyone loves the cake sprinkles. Yeah. Um, I mean, they, they kind of are so emblematic of a child's birthday, of giant balloons. Of, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But but one, one photograph that um, I took, which uh, left you a little bit uh, sort of wondering why you eat this food, is the French's fried onion, which I have to say, oh, yeah. I... I'm a lover. Yeah. It is my guilty pleasure once a year, <laughs> the French's fried onion over the string bean casserole. Yeah. And um, to be honest, I probably that sort of probably came to me either a year ago now, you know, because it's something that moves through the house, a, a food product. And it is so violent when you look at it <laughs> under uh, the microscope. Yeah, yeah. Have I stopped eating them since then? No, but I sort of give it uh, yeah. a couple of thoughts. It's very, the, the process of being deep fried, that quick heat and then uh, coming out of the heat so quickly really makes um, a shift on the, on the surface of the food. Yeah. And can you even further define violent? Cause I think that was a great description of what, you know, that product is. Um, I mean, violent, like you can actually see particles of the flour mm-hmm. may, you know, uh, when the onions are, thrown in a batter, I imagine, of flour and sugar and salt, you can actually see it exploding out of the surface. Um, It's very violent. I sort of think it's beautiful and interesting because on this particular shot, the the particle that is bursting out is almost like a perfect square. And it almost looks like someone's rolling the dice um, in that way in like sort of this three-dimensional way, bursting out of the surface of the the onion. but when you compare that to something like the almond, yeah, or um, what's another good one, um, the Brussels sprout, where these beautiful curves, or the cauliflower yeah. is another really. Well, the cauliflower is kind of amazing because talk about flying over someplace. It looks like you know a canyon or a yes. chasm or something you know more grandiose than uh, cauliflower. <laughs> and and people have also said that they feel it's very feminine. Yeah. Um, Compared to some of the others, the French's fried onion is definitely not feminine. It's, yeah, it's a boy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even think it's a, of this of this planet at yeah. that point. Yeah, and uh, I felt the same way of the kiwi seed. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kept on trying to find uh, some kind of you know landscape uh, other than what I've seen of the moon. Um, I to mean, me, not personally, but <laughs> right to me that looked like hieroglyphics in yeah. a cave dwelling or a drawing. Um, I, I really like the kiwi yeah, yeah and that's the little tiny black seed on the inside of a kiwi yeah so yeah. but it looks th- so much harder and metallic than you know just you know uh, hand-drawn figures mm-hmm. on, a, on, a, on a cave wall mm-hmm. so but that gives a good example of um the the size subject i'm working with yeah. the black seed inside a kiwi yeah what is the smallest subject that you've worked with you said you magnified to two thousand times yeah um well, that's sort. Those are two sort of questions. You mean the actual size of the subject? Probably the kiwi seed is the smallest, yeah. um, but 
I've certainly gone greater magnifications than I have on the Kiwi. So it's a two-part question. Uh, The range that I find myself sticking to is between... I have done um, images at around 20 times, but I've also gone much beyond that to, I guess, around 1,500 or 1,000. Yeah. And it's... You just start... um, It's almost like flying through space, and you can just go further into the sun-dried tomato or yeah. pull back out. It's really an interesting feeling. Yeah, it's kind of like that movie Inner Space. Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, keep on, I keep on thinking of that. Um, so, I mean, the same object at 20 and 2,000 mm-hmm. times is obviously drastically different. Totally different. What, what has been the biggest difference uh, between those two magnifications? Um, I think context. Actually, when the further... Um, out I am, which is the lower magnification, people can sort of see, oh, they are cake sprinkles. Like, I see that. Yeah. I get that. Or like the lifesaver. The lifesaver. See yep. some of the text on the candy. Absolutely. Which was intentional. Yeah. Um, for some of those more pop arty, yeah. like the Oreo and the lifesaver. Um, but when you get further in, particularly on the foods that are sugar, the licorice, the, um, the cake sprinkles, it doesn't look, and you wouldn't be able to recognize it as a cake sprinkle at all. It just becomes almost like more like icicles sharp edges um i did a rice crispy treat which hasn't been shown yet but the marshmallow the crystallization of the sugars um in something like a marshmallow it it looks like shards of glass actually and that's healthy that's for kids yeah that's for kids yeah um (laughs) some of the other kind of amazing things are like the fortune cookie i'm going back to that more uh you know organic landscape Mm -hmm. looks like a straight or you know part of an archipelago um are there things like the kiwi seed, at least to me, that just seem so astral, seem so uh, another planet? Hmm. Or does everything feel kind of resonant of Earth, of here, of you know uh, other forms of food that you've seen or landscapes? Uh, I do have one image that's in the works right now, tuna, which might seem otherworldly. It's not complete yet so it's not anywhere where i could show you what i'm talking about but um i would say the forthcoming tuna would be a good example of that yeah um it sort of has that look of um uh halva you know the seaweed the um sesame seed candy that sort of breaks in lines yeah i'm I'm a brooklyn jew yeah very well (laughs) (laughs) right so um it sort of has that feeling to it but super up close it just looks like almost like logs that's fascinating i mean have there been other things that have looked similar to something else completely well i think the chocolate cake looks like asteroids actually have you seen that one yeah um again the sugar yeah i you know i'm not sure what your position is on sugar many people think it's the devil yeah and it does look otherworldly with the microscope yeah, but I mean that's granulated sugar. Have you? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen. I haven't seen many liquids. Is that a hard thing to photograph with a? Yes. Get it uh, all messy. Can't do liquids yeah. in this particular chamber. And as a matter of fact, the technician I work with at the lab, I am constantly sending him things where he's like, "Aren't you hearing me? You, we can't put a Twinkie in there yeah. <laughs> because you know the whipped cream in the middle." But yeah. you know, we sort of have a running joke. I send him stuff as if I haven't heard that before. Yeah. And I just ask him to keep putting it back in until I break him down, and then he finally does the Twinkie and surprisingly to him some specimens work better than others and um, I think the Twinkie is actually one we're set to shoot in the next the next time I go back yeah but um, can't do tomato sauce 
for example, mm-hmm. um, much too liquidy. Uh, cheese, we have gotten away with some cheese. The, the harder cheeses yeah. that are aged a long time that still have rind on them yeah. are good candidates. Um, American cheese, bad candidate. Yeah, yeah. So, you, I, you know, you could see it's just much too liquidy or, yeah. or has the potential to be liquidy. So you talk about reflection, refraction, mm-hmm. um, and sugar has this very interesting effect. Mm-hmm. What do other things like proteins or, you know, fats look like underneath this uh, scanning electron Blobby. microscope? Yeah. Uh, bacon is something I've been working on. It's not pretty. Yeah. As good as it tastes at Sunday brunch, it does not look pretty. <laughs> yeah. Um, proteins aren't as interesting as I had hoped they would be. I'm still working on trying to find one that's that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but the, the fruits and the vegetables and the sugared foods are the most compelling to me so yeah. far. Um, and the spices, the star anise mm-hmm. kind of looks almost Mayan, Aztec. Yep. Looks like these amazing ruins that you kind of stumble upon. Yep. And, and that one is at a low magnification and you can sort of, that's what I was speaking of earlier when we talked about context, the lower the magnification, you can sort of get that immediately that it's, um, a whole, uh, a whole star, a whole spice as opposed to bits. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, the spices are really interesting as well. Yeah, I would have never guessed what the shrimp tail was. It kind of almost looks like a flamenco dancer's, uh, uh, well, not flamenco. It looks more like Vegas and boas and, yep. you know, that kind of froofy uh, material. I was really surprised when I found the feathers and I called um, the Monterey Bay Aquarium and they were surprised yeah. <laughs> at the feathers. So they did a little research. They came back to me with a little bit more information, but I'm making all these discoveries that were so unexpected. Yeah. What what were the feathers? The feathers are um, a steering like mes- mechanism. They're not actually feathers. They yeah. have a, a scientific word for them, but um, that's right at the intersection where you sort of bite off the shrimp tail and then dispose of the shrimp tail. It's right sort of at that ligamenty portion of yeah. the shrimp. Um, and I'm happy to get you more information on yeah. the, the Latin term or the scientific term of what they are called. But, yeah. Uh, shrimp did not fly. <laughs> I did learn that. They are not feathers. We did not yeah. evolve from flying shrimp. Excellent. <laughs> I was always, I'm allergic to shrimp, so I know I didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Were there any other amazing discoveries that you've made? Oh, gosh. They're all, they're all amazing. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that the, the taco chips or the tortilla chips would be a little bit more interesting. You know, they're so toothy and have great texture. I would think there would be a lot of canyons and crevices. Boring. Yeah. It was totally boring. So um, I moved away from the, the taco chips. Yeah, excellent. Mm-hmm. So we're going to move away from the taco chips for a second, okay. take a quick break, and okay. we'll be right back with Karen Alpert on the food scene for HeritageRadioNetwork.com.
Welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Karen Alpert. Um, your website, Karen Alpert Fine Art, Fine Arts? Art. Art. Single. Correct. Uh, dot com. Um, because you also have another portfolio, which is KarenAlpert.com, which is interiors, uh, food. You have a studio in San Francisco. Yes. What is uh, the majority of work that you do out there? It is mo- it's food related usually yeah. in some way, um, and it it didn't actually uh, start out that way yeah. um, when I started in in San Francisco. But the more uh, it is a travel destination with so much coming out of the Napa Valley and things like that. Before I knew it, it all of my assignments were food related and somehow and yeah. that's it could be artisan purveyors pickers you know of produce of some kind or another chefs themselves food plated food prep food you know ingredients all that sort of stuff yeah so you didn't see it coming you didn't see food being the majority of your portfolio i didn't yeah i didn't what were you shooting prior um i wasn't shooting i was a photo editor prior and um the transition sort of crystallized. In my, I, I do have a background in photography, and uh, I have a degree in photography and graphic design. But I had been a photo editor for many years, and uh, at I had, magazines, publishing houses, at magazines, yeah. mostly Time Inc. Yeah, here in New York, and then um, in San Francisco. And I had gotten in a photo shoot from a photographer on a Friday, and it was a bomb. Yeah, and I was like, "Holy crap! Yeah. This isn't gonna, <laughs> this isn't gonna fly." And I went home over the weekend and reshot it and put it on the light table because yeah. we were shooting Chrome back then on Monday morning. And I didn't say a thing about who shot it or where it came from. And the um, art director at the time said, fine, ship it. And I was just like, wow, hey, I could probably now do this on my own instead of having a career of assigning other people to yeah. shoot, um, start doing the shooting myself. So it was a great experience learning um, the assigning end of things. And I just transitioned really well into the editorial field um, since that's where I was sort of raised as yeah. far as publishing in magazines. And then that's shifted, as you have probably observed yourself, um, the landscape of editorial work right now. So my clients have grown a little bit from not just magazine work, but to... Um, PR, agency work, advertising, things like that, um, book publishers, yeah. things of that nature. Well, you said um, artisans, growers. You work mm-hmm. with a lot of local businesses in and around the San Fran area? Um, not so much local businesses per se, but when magazines are writing about yeah. artisans or, and you know, there's a lot of that gro- going on <laughs> yeah. right now. Um, uh, that's sort of what I'm shooting. Yeah. So... How much of a departure did it feel like doing this? And I forgot to mention the name of this project. It's Terracebus. Mm-hmm. And what exactly does Terracebus mean to? Um, Terracebus is actually something uh, 
we conjured up about coming from from the earth. Yeah. Um, because most of these things at some form or another, even the processed foods, um, ha- have to come from some ingredient that hopefully, yeah, is, hopefully. is man-made, yeah. right? I mean, there are a couple which clearly... Uh, like kiwi seeds. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, I've always exactly. wondered about that fruit. So Yeah, exactly. Well, the passion fruit is another interesting one. Um, I don't know if that looks like a little boat uh, in the high surf of the oceans. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you saw that one. It's the inside rind yeah. of a passion fruit. I mean, the thing is, I, I looked at all the images on your website and you get so mesmerized that sometimes you forget what you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> to recall if I've seen it or not, it's almost easier to explain what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Rather than, That's not a passion fruit. That's not a kiwi seed. Yep. So. Yep. Um. Yeah. Um, so how far of a departure was trying to shoot this project from your normal photographic life? The departure wasn't that great um, insofar as I've always been a bit of a science geek, yeah. I suppose. Um, when I was little, I, I read 321 Contact quite a bit, which <laughs> some people may not remember. But it was, Yeah, they had a television show, too. They right? did have yeah, a television yeah. I show. I used to watch that. Yep. And on the back page of the magazine, there was... Um, it was always the one-page closer, and it was a tiling of nine or 12 images, super up close of ordinary objects, like the spokes on a bicycle or the treads on your um, tennis shoe. And it was a quiz to see if you could guess what it was. And I did those every time I got the issue yeah. in my mailbox. And... Um, so I think it was actually dormant in my brain for a really long time. And then as, as it seemed like everyone around was dialoguing about food and where it came from, and here I was. Um, so I sort of thought intimately involved in food. I mean, we sort of all are as yeah. eaters every day, three times or five times a day. But because of my work in photography and talking with writers and editors about what's going on in the, in the food scene around me... Um, that part seemed like it wasn't such a departure. Yeah. Like I connected very quickly to the idea of doing it. Um, what was a little bit hard to crystallize with was, was the logistics about accessing the, the gear, yeah. um, the, the lab and doing it remotely. Um, and even the lab technicians, you know, when, when, and I do have to work with one when I go to the machine. Yeah. When they do their work, they are looking for something very specific. They are on a mission to change the world with whatever they find, you know, disease or mm-hmm. or this, that, and the other. And when I go there, I think it's just such a breath of fresh air for him because it's just like an artist looking for something interesting, yeah. cruising around the surface of a kiwi seed yeah. to see what's new and what's interesting, you know, so it's been fun. Yeah, but I, I mean, I hope it gives them... Um, a different perspective as well as as, as well as you working with them mm-hmm. you know uh, you probably saw it as something almost facadical something almost superficial mm-hmm. being that it is a surface mm-hmm. um, but now you are looking for something it seems deeper than it, just that yes now, now I am now I am but at the beginning when I was just sort of warming up to the process um, it was just sort of like when you're framing up any sort of photo yeah. uh, of a landscape or of a family member. You're looking at, you know, your borders. You're seeing what you want to focus on. It was sort of all those same things to think about. Yeah, yeah. I always tell people it's kind of creating workflow before creating work. Yep. Like you have to, it's, it's kind of like cooking in the sense that, you know, you have to have a foundation in food and prep work to be able to execute a, a recipe. You Absolutely. can't just, 
you know, fly by the seat of your pants. You have to have mizzen plus set up. So uh, absolutely, photography has always been that kind of analytical sort to me. Yep, this is just a different tool for me. Yeah, it's you know, it it's still a camera yeah. in my mind. So so aside from existing on your website, where else is this work being shown? Uh, so it's currently yeah in the Food Network magazine. Um, just came out in their November issue. It's going to be up at the James Beard House in November and December. I'm having a solo show in Portland next summer in June of 2012. Um, I'm trying to think where else it will be. Yeah, because it, it, it's such a kind of interesting thing to then reconceptualize. How do you show this work? Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, with, with all the magnification 20 to 2,000 times... How do you blow it up yet again and put it on a wall? Or do you even put it on a wall? Or what kind of material? Uh, Not only can you put it on a wall, Mm -hmm. um, I've been approached to put it on lots of other things, too, which is a whole side of this that I could have never even imagined. Um, Because the textures, for example, the radish. Yeah. Someone said, I want to wallpaper my bathroom. Oh, that's great. In this. And I said... Okay. If you want to live in a radish, go ahead. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But um, that sort of triggered a dialogue with someone else about licensing, which is much further down the road for me. But but many people have said, this could be a scarf. This could be wallpaper. This could be all these other things. And I think people are so fascinated with food right now. And because I'm sort of um, keeping it to something approachable, like your blueberries that you have at breakfast or yeah. the Brussels sprouts you make or the chocolate cake you have for dessert. It's sort of a fun, it's a fun way to talk about the the project and the food. Yeah. So yeah, it's a cool abstraction. And I don't know if I'd want to live within, well, I guess it's an inverted radish because it's the surface. Yes. But I, I can see people, you know, wanting to be inside a blueberry or <laughs> walk the edges of a canyon like cauliflower. Yep. Yep. But for right now, they are available, you know, for as limited edition prints and, and maybe some far somewhere f- much further down the line. Yeah. It can be a greeting card. <laughs> so with these requests, do you also get requests for what foods to shoot next? Um, I have, interestingly enough. Um I'm actually speaking with someone right now who is working on a book project and they write a lot about food and they're sort of interested in having me do some work. So that was another component I didn't think about is commissions. Um, But certainly um, if the people at ConAgra would like me to photograph some of their food for their lobby, I might consider that. Yeah. (laughs) It's fascinating staring at, you know, what, well, what was the first thing that you photographed underneath the, Passion fruit. Passion fruit. So, I mean, staring at the outside of a passion fruit, who knew that it was going to lead you to all this? Totally. It was the inside of a passion fruit. The the white membrane, by the way. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Have there been any things that you have photographed that just were so unsightly you couldn't show? Not yet. Yeah. Not unsightly, just sort of uninteresting. And and, um, I want to make sure that every image I take is advancing the idea of the project, the purpose of the project, which is to show something unique and different. And, and some of the images just don't achieve that or accomplish that. So, Excellent. Well, everyone should stop and take a look at KarenAlpertFineArt.com. You'll never think uh, the same about a cauliflower or passion fruit. Uh, 
and Oreo for that matter. Um, really amazing work. Thank you so much for coming in from San Fran for this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.com. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel. Hoping to have you here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on the Heritage Radio Network. You can find all of our archived programs on heritageradionetwork.com, as well as a schedule of upcoming live shows. You can also podcast all of our programs on iTunes by searching Heritage Radio Network in the iTunes Store. You can find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for up-to-date news and information. Thanks for listening.